And welcome to a new year. Is everybody ready for it? Yeah, fantastic. Um, our launching series for 2020 is weird just saying that. 2020. Um, our, our launching series uh, to get us going this year is called Redo. Redo. Uh, we're going to look back at our past in order to make our future more effective. Let me ask you something. Is you reflect on this last year, as you reflect on 2019, how many of you would say, you know, Phil, I think I'd like to have that one back. I think I'd like a redo on that year. I made some decisions that I regret making. I said some things that I wish I could unsay. I rang some bells that I wish I could unring. I responded in some ways that I wish I hadn't. As we reflect on the past, I think we all have things we would like to change. Even the Pope needed a redo on the last night of 2019. Did anybody catch that video? I think it was on New Year's Eve before his New Year's message. Um, the, the Pope was, you know, going down the line greeting people and, and shaking hands and, and all that kind of thing. And the video shows this, this lady and, you know, she, she did this right here. And she, you could tell she was just desperate to touch the Pope. And she reaches out and she reaches out. And then he's kind of walking away and doesn't see her. And she reaches out and grabs his hand and kind of pulls him uh, pulls pulls him toward herself, and the Pope boy, he got a look on his face, he turned around and just smacked her hand. I mean, it was not the perfect Pope moment. I mean, and it was caught right there. And, and it, you know, I told Kim, I said, oh my goodness, man, what's in the heart comes out. But no, no I don't want to, uh, he, he's a man like, like all the rest of us are. Um, but man, he needed a redo on the last night of 2000. And 19. Uh, later in his message, he actually uh, confessed to losing his patience and, and repented, um, you know, for, for all the world to see on that. Um, but man, all of us uh, have, have moments that we regret um, and, and that we would like to have back. Maybe 2019 uh, for you was a year of, of loss. Maybe it was a year of heartache. Maybe you lost a loved one, which I know a number of folks in this room did, as I did. Or maybe you got some difficult health news somewhere along the line last year. Maybe you lost your job in 2019. And for you, last year was just a year to forget. For others of you, it may have been a record year. The stock market soared. Maybe you were able to finally retire. We have some folks in the congregation I know who retired this past year. Or, or maybe you graduated from high school. You graduated from college. Or you got engaged. We got somebody in our house that got engaged this past year, just a couple of weeks ago. Or maybe you got married in 2019, or you had a new baby, or a new grandbaby, and it was a year to remember. For most of us, 
2019 was likely a little bit of both. Amen? Some days you'd like to redo, and some days you'd like to replay. Some days you want to remember, some days you'd like to just forget. Either way, as we look back, nothing shapes us. And hear me, nothing shapes us in this world more significantly than our past. The people, the places, the homes we grew up in, the tragedies, the triumphs, the decisions we've made and the directions we've taken. Your past molds you into the person that you are. And there is no denying that, how significantly our past shapes us. But hear me, your past is not the maker of the mold. Amen? God is the maker of the mold. Never forget that. God is greater than your past. And you don't have to be a slave to your past. God said to his friend, man, you look depressed. What are you thinking about? He said, I'm thinking about my future. He said, what makes it so hopeless? The guy said, my past. Some of you are right there this morning. Because of what the past has held, you don't have a whole lot of hope for the future. Just a reminder as we move into this new year, your past does not determine your future. God, and God alone, if we will let Him, if we will surrender to Him, if we will trust Him, God determines your future. He specializes in redeeming the past and using it, if we'll let Him, to bring glory to Himself. So no matter what your past held in 2019 or all the way back to your childhood, there is hope for the future. That's the message of Christianity. That is the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That not even death can extinguish the hope that we have. That we can begin again. And today's a great day to do that. That our slate is wiped clean. That our sin does not have to define us. That our past does not have to determine our future. That's the clear message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something this morning. How is your past impacting your present? Think about that for a minute. How is your past impacting your present? Have you learned from it? Learned lessons from it? And grown from it? Or are you still living in it? Countless people can't get past their past. And they don't grow. 
And they don't allow God to do what God desires to do in our lives. And they don't step into the future that God has for them because they're holding on to hurt and pain from the past. Have you learned from it? Or are you living in it? Is your past a rudder that guides you or is it an anchor that's holding you back? Reflect on that as we move into a new year. And whether you had a record year or a regretful year, take the time, if you haven't already, to pause and reflect. Just stop. So difficult these days just to be still. To allow God to speak to us. To allow God to heal us where we need healing. To allow God and to agree with God that that He has redeemed our past in Christ if we have by faith trusted Him. You know, Kim, my wife, is so good at this. Um, Every year at, at this time, she sits down And, man, she's got, you know, the Bible and books and papers and all kinds of stuff. Looking back at the previous year and looking forward at how God wants her to move into the new year. She does a phenomenal job with that. I saw a a thing that she's working through um, right now, and uh, she shared some with me about it. It's called a dream guide, I think. Yeah, Jenny Allen, one of one of the teachers that Kim really likes. It's called a dream guide. And and it's just this guide. It's not resolution. You know, daily devotion always trumps annual resolution. Um, remember that. But these aren't resolutions. These are ongoing dreams, plans, and purposes of God in and for her life. And she just does a phenomenal job every year of just... Starting over and saying, God, here I am. Here are the places in my life that I need to redo from last year. I need a do-over in these areas, whether it's relational or financial or emotional, whatever it might be. God, point me in the right direction for the new year. And I just want to challenge you guys. I challenge myself to do that, to take the time to pause and reflect on the previous year. Did you grow? Did you grow in your faith? Did you stay the same or did you lose ground last year? Remembering that God uses the trials and the challenges in our lives to conform us into the likeness of Christ. He uses pain more than anything else to conform us into the likeness of of Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, pain is God's megaphone to wake a deaf and dying world. What kind of trials, what kind of challenges did you go through last year? And are you letting God use those to conform you to the likeness of Christ? It's all about perspective. We just sang about it. It's all about believing that all things really do work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according 
to His purpose. Over the next few weeks, in January, we're going to be looking at some big guys in the Bible. And we're going to be talking about how God gave them a redo, a do-over on their past and how He'll do the same for you. We're going to begin today with the Apostle Paul, also known as Saul of Tarsus. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, or, or go there uh, on your pad or your phone. Most of you are familiar with Paul. He was a Pharisee, uh, a Jewish teacher of the law. He was schooled in the Torah and the Jewish Scriptures. He was steeped in religion and and self-righteousness was really uh, the place that, that he found himself as far as what the Pharisees practiced, literally. He, along with all the religious leaders of his day, were, were threatened when Jesus came on the scene. Threatened by the authority of his teaching. How it changed people. How it transformed people. Threatened by the crowds that followed Jesus. And after, ultimately, Jesus' resurrection and His ascension to the right hand of the Father, Acts tells us that the church began at Pentecost. After Peter preached that initial sermon, 3,000 people surrendered their lives to Jesus on that day. And the church was born and the church exploded on the scene. This radical message of God's grace and God's forgiveness found in this carpenter in Christ and in Christ alone rocked and threatened the religious establishment of the day. They were losing control and they were trying to regain it. And so Saul, Paul, was charged with putting an end to it. He was essentially a hunter of Christians. He ordered and was present, if you'll remember, at the stoning of Stephen, demanding that Stephen recant his faith in Christ. Stephen was one of the first deacons in the early church. And the Scripture tells us that Paul stood by and Paul held the cloaks of those who stoned and ultimately killed Stephen as he had his eyes fixed on Christ, the author and perfecter of his faith. Paul moved from town to town persecuting and killing followers of Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 9, Luke tells us that Paul was on his way to Damascus. And Luke says this, he says, He was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's people. No one was a greater enemy of Christ in his day than the Apostle Paul. Think about that. And in verse 3 of Acts chapter 9, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He knew. I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied. Saul would be blinded, Luke tells us, in that moment. 
and he wouldn't regain his sight for three days. But when he did regain his sight, symbolically, he saw the world in a different way. And when we are reborn in Christ, when we are forgiven, when we are redeemed, when we are set free of our sin, we see the world in a different way. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Scripture tells us, at that time. He was immediately baptized as a symbol of what had transpired in his heart. And he became, ultimately, the apostle to the Gentiles. He is why we are here today. He became the one that would share Christ with those he hated the most. That's how significantly God can redeem your past. His past was fully forgiven. His future was fully surrendered to Christ. He would go on to become the most prolific writer in the New Testament and ultimately give his life at the gates of Rome, being beheaded for the cause of Christ. God redeemed Paul's past. And he used it to shape not only his future, but the future of the entire world. In Philippians chapter 3, turn there with me now if you would. Philippians chapter 3 beginning in verse 4. Paul gives us three perspectives on how to deal with your past, how to handle your past. First and foremost, he says this, when it comes to your past, You've got to look at it. You've got to look at it. Look at your past. Don't ignore it. Don't deny it. Man, some people have been through some stuff. And she'll say, I'd just rather not go back there. I'm just going to shove that to the side and not deal with it. Paul says, no. Face it head on. Look at your past. Don't ignore it. Don't deny it. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God about your past. The only way God can use it and redeem it is for us to own it. To acknowledge where we miss the mark. To acknowledge where we experience pain. Where we experience loss. Even at the hands of others or especially at the hands of others. Paul says this, to the church in Philippi, speaking of his past, he said, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, in other words, if anybody else thinks real highly of themselves, he says, I've got more reasons. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He's sharing his pedigree. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Nobody had better standing in Israel than I. He says, in regard to the law, the law of God, the Torah, the Scripture, he said, I was a Pharisee. I knew it all. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness. In other words, trying to please God and become righteous by our own performance. Paul said, I was the man. I was faultless. He reflects on his pedigree. Who he was, look at these things that he shares here about his past. Who he was 
And he talks about where he gained his value and worth. He says it was all about him. It was all about climbing the religious ladder. It was all about following the rules to please God. He found his value and his worth in what he did in his own performance. He's honest about his past. He's honest about the good. He's honest about the bad. He's honest about the ugly. He doesn't ignore it and he doesn't deny it. He calls it what it is. Refusing to look at your past doesn't erase it. It actually gives the past more power over you. Take time to reflect on 2019. If you haven't already, set up some time this week to do that. Some quiet time. Be honest with God like Paul was. And be honest with Him in these three areas that we see in Philippians 3 and 4. Where did you seek your worth and your value last year? I mean, be honest. Maybe it was in your work. Maybe it was, maybe it was in your relationships. Maybe it was another person that you were trying to please. And, and if you were unable to please them, man, it, was, it, just, it, it just crushed you. And your worth and your value suffered. Maybe it's your income. Maybe it's your bank account. I don't know. Be honest with God. Where did you seek your worth? How did you live out your faith? How did you live out your faith? Paul shares with us that, that he followed all the rules. He did all the right things. I've done that a hundred times in my, in my, in my uh, Bible on, on my phone. I'll hit that little deal thinking it takes me to the next verse and it turns the audio on. That's all right. Go ahead and let him read that for us. All right, we're going to have to bring in the cone of silence. No, I'm just kidding. Where did you seek your worth last year? How did you live out your faith? I mean, be honest. How did it go? The goals that, that you set at the beginning of the year, if you set goals, how did you do with respect to those? And then finally, Paul talks about persecuting the church. How did you love others? How did you love others last year, especially those closest to you? I think my favorite quote that, that I put in a file in 2019 was a quote from Mother Teresa. And I've been looking for an opportunity to use it. And this wasn't the best place, but I'm going to throw it in here anyway. Um, just to be honest. Mother Teresa said this, Man, if you want to change the world... Go home and love your family. Everybody wants to change the world. Everybody wants to do something great. The greatest thing that you can do this year is to love your family. Love God. Love the people around you. And in doing so, you change the world. Most of us will never be an Apostle Paul. But all of us can change the world by loving those closest to us well. If you're thinking, man, I don't even know where to start. 
to make this year better, Phil. And last year was a wreck. Start there. When you leave here today, make it a point to love those closest to you well. Love them sacrificially. Love them whether they love you back the way you want them to love you back or not. And in doing so, as Christ did, we change the world. Paul looked back at his past and he learned from his past. And we need to learn from our past. Paul said, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. It says, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. And he did. I consider them rubbish. That word in, in, in the Greek literally means basically dumb. He says, I consider all the stuff, all the accomplishment, all that I had done, all that I was, Rubbish that I may gain Christ. Reflecting on his past and the forgiveness that he had found, Paul learned that nothing compares to knowing Jesus. Have you learned that? Are you living in that reality? He let go of everything that he had built his life on for the sake of Jesus. He lost it all. And in losing it, he learned that Jesus was all he needed. Have you come to that place? Is Jesus all you need? I mean, really. What did you lose last year? What have you lost in the past? And sometimes loss is about bringing us to the end of ourselves. It's about bringing us to the place that Jesus awaits. Where do you need to shift your focus from what you've lost to what you've gained in Christ? That's what Paul did. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, sometimes when we get overwhelmed, we forget how big God is. The path can overwhelm us. It can cause us to lose perspective on the future that God has for us. Where do you need to regain that perspective today? And remember that God is so much bigger than your past. So much bigger than your sin. So much bigger than your mistakes. So much bigger than your failures. Paul looked back. He learned from his past. And then he just let go of it. He let go of it. And we need to do the same. Paul said this. He said, forgetting what is behind. He's looked at it. He's learned from it. Now he said, I'm going to forget what's behind and I'm going to strain toward what's ahead. He said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul put the past behind him and he pursued God's purpose and plan regardless of where it took him. And we know ultimately where it took him. 
Regret didn't rule his life. He didn't measure his success by position, power, or prosperity. He measured it by his pursuit of the ultimate prize. How are you measuring your life? That ultimate prize is the likeness of Jesus Christ. Being transformed and being conformed into the likeness of Christ. As Gary and the team come back to the stage, I want to leave you with a charge this year. As we move into a new year. In verse 16 of Philippians, Paul leaves us really, I think, with the perfect charge as we move forward. He says this. He says, only let us live up to what we've already attained. Think about that. And only let us live up to what we've already attained. In other words, don't lose ground. Keep pressing on. Keep Keep pressing forward. Don't let your past pull you back. Keep moving forward in your faith. And because of the cross, because of Jesus' resurrection, your past has no power over you. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we thank You for the forgiveness that we find in You. We thank You that our past does not have to determine our future. We thank You for the capacity to begin again. We pray for the courage to let go of our past, the courage to pursue You and You alone in this coming year. Father, I pray You would comfort those who experienced loss last year. Those who wondered and may still be wondering if they can even go on. Lord, I pray You would bring a renewed hope in the days ahead. And Lord, for 2020, I pray simply that we would surrender our lives fully, and completely to you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.